Well, good morning, East Point. It's nice to see Matt's fully caffeinated this morning, huh? Yeah, I'm really glad you're here. Um, we are in part two of a three-part series on spiritual gifts and why they matter to us. And uh, today, um, I'm going to take kind of a 30,000-foot view of spiritual gifts, talk about uh, uh, why they matter and, and uh, what they are and what they are not. Uh, Matt laid a great foundation last week. We intentionally started landing on love because... Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, right in the middle of these three chapters where he's addressing the use of spiritual gifts and what they are in the church, is chapter 13. And how many of you read 1 Corinthians 13 at least a thousand times? Yeah, we've we've heard it in in weddings. It's the great love chapter. And Matt said last week, love gives. And it is is about love, and it's all for the sake of love. And again, today I'm going to take a little higher view. Uh, Next week, Pastor Jeff, Dr. Jeff, our resident theologian, is going to go a little deeper and talk to you about some of the gifts, uh, how to discover them and how to use them in your own life. And then that launch class starts the Wednesday after this series finishes. So I want to encourage you to sign up for that, which is, uh, I think it's happening on Wednesday nights. Is that right? Yeah. I um, want to tell you a little personal story about my journey so you know a little bit more about my history and my experience when it comes to uh, the issue of spiritual gifts. I grew up in a very uh, fundamental evangelical church. And if you don't know what those terms mean, let's just say it was very, very, very traditional. Uh, I mean, I, you, we always wore our Sunday best. Uh, we sang hymns, nothing wrong with hymns, I love them, but it was always the first, second, and last stanza. I don't know why. It's just what we did. Uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, we um, uh, never had anything weird or unusual or out of the normal happen in our services. They were pretty controlled and uh, pretty normal. And then um, I'm in high school, and uh, my parents had, had been attending, and in fact, my dad was on staff for a while at a, at a Baptist church in La Crescenta, California, and uh, for a variety of reasons, we moved to a, another church, which was an open Bible church, which is a Pentecostal church in the neck of woods that we lived in. So you can imagine the spiritual culture shock I went through, you know, from Baptist to Pentecostal. And, and uh, it was very unusual. I mean, all my life, I'm at 17 at this point, and I'm thinking, wow, this is just, I don't get this. And, and the lady, lady who played the organ pretty much controlled the service because if she stopped to give a word in tongues, everything stopped. And that was just kind of what it was. And I, but the thing you need to know, and some of you are old enough to remember this, back in the late 60s, 70s, there was something called the charismatic renewal. And a lot of Protestant churches, Catholic churches, were experiencing this renewal of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church. Now, let's fast forward. The next 20 years of my life, I actually ended up on staff at a couple of large charismatic churches. And I saw amazing things. I, I, I could take all day. I won't, because I know there's a game at 125. But I could take all day to tell you story after story of amazing things that I personally have seen God do. I'm going to share a couple this morning. And I saw, I saw the gifts of the Spirit in operation, and for the most part, more often than not, I saw them done right and with order and without chaos and done properly in, in the kingdom, in the church. I also saw some really weird stuff that was just completely out of control and not healthy and not right. So when I speak today on this issue, you need to know that I've seen a lot. Now, I'm, I'm not all-knowing, but I have seen a lot and have been involved in, in, uh, in ministry for over 35 years. And so I'm going to share with you today some of what I've learned along the way about spiritual gifts. And my hope and my prayer is this. Some of you have already, uh, you're nervous. I, I know you are. Um, I promise you that, that uh, 
I'm not going to go sideways on you today, and I, my prayer is that you'll listen before you pass judgment, that you will actually open your heart to receive from the Lord. And I'm also going to tell you that, that um, I, I believe that every human longs, in fact, I'm, I'm convinced of this, every human on the planet, Christian or not, longs to know what on earth they're here for. And we want to discover our purpose and our destiny. And part of the reason why I know that to be true is, you may not know this, but Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, just out of curiosity, how many of you have read that book? Wow. 32 million copies at least have been sold of that book worldwide, and it's the second most translated book in history, next to the Bible, translated in more languages than any other book except for the Bible worldwide. Well, why? Why has it been so popular? Well, because all, we all want to know what on earth we are here for. We want to discover our spiritual gifts. And so I want to suggest that discovering and using our spiritual gifts is and should be an important part of our journey as Christ followers, as a, as a part of what we do in the kingdom. We need all the tools. Now, there are five groups of people. And uh, again, I'm speaking from experience, but basically five groups of people when it comes to the issue of spiritual gifts. There's those who don't know. And they're ignorant. And I don't use the word ignorant to be mean. I'm just saying they have no knowledge. They really don't understand. In fact, some, some of you might be here or listening online going, spiritual gifts, what does that mean? I don't get it. That's okay. There's a lot of people just like that. There are people who don't care. They just honestly don't give a rip. It's like, nah, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't have time. Too many other things matter more. There are those who don't have much balance when it comes to the issue of spiritual gifts. And I affectionately call them, and some of them are my friends, charismaniacs. They are people who uh, put too much attention and focus on the gifts, and in fact, on a, a, a two or three particular gifts uh, mentioned in the New Testament. There are those, here's the fourth group, those that don't embrace spiritual gifts because of fear or because of a false belief that they no longer matter to the church. They fall under what is a, a term called cessationists. They believe that the gifts were for the first century church, and when we had the complete canon of the Bible, we, we don't know needed the gifts. And then there are those who believe and have a balanced hunger for more, and you need to know that that is your pastor. I fall into that group, balanced and yet hungry. And my hope is, by the time I finish today, you will be too. The Apostle Paul, and we'll be in 1 Corinthians 12. If you've got your Bible, please open up to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Most of the scriptures will be on the screen as well. But he wrote um, to this church in Corinth to correct them. And uh, they were messed up in a whole lot of areas, but they had some beliefs and attitudes about spiritual gifts that were just sideways, wrong, weird. And there were a congregation that was plagued with internal division, bitterness, silly squabbling, and again, all sorts of screwed up ideas about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For example, they overemphasized the gift of tongues in their church services, and they were completely out of control. Now, I'll suggest to you, I think one of the reasons why they might have overemphasized the gift of tongues is because, uh, and Dr. Jeff can mention this probably next week, there were many temples, pagan temples in Corinth that practiced tongues in their particular worship services. And now they thought, well, that's cool. Now it's godly, it's spiritual, it's of the Holy Spirit. So that's cool. The other reason why they might have done so is because they heard all the stories. Some of them heard the stories firsthand about the day of Pentecost. They heard it from guys who were there. And they re realized that what took place at that point was tongues came and these, this tongues of fire and this uh, incredible experience. And so perhaps that's why. But they overemphasized some things and they were, they were off. They were not balanced. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 12.1. He said, I must correct your misunderstandings about spiritual gifts. He starts right out of the chapter here telling these guys, you got it wrong. And listen, pay attention. I'm going to put smack down on you just a little bit. 
I'm going to tell you some things you need to understand. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, at the end of chapter 14, he instructs them with this, inst this final instruction kind of regarding spiritual gifts. He says, be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Well, why did he say that? Because they weren't doing that. Because they were just the opposite of that. So again, you can rest easy that my heart is Paul's heart. And I want to correct any misunderstanding that you may have. And I can assure you that neither weirdness nor wackiness will, are my ultimate goals or will be a part of our service today or any other time. I'm going to share with you what I believe. Now, here's what I also know. And this is where I get to be humble and, and transparent with you. And hopefully this will calm some of you. Um, I'm well aware that we typically, all of us, define truth as our perspective, our position. What you believe is truth is what you, you believe. What your position is on something, well, that's, that's right. That's the way, this is the way it is because that's what I believe. And we tend to base, you know, our convictions on our positions. And I will humbly admit to you this morning, here it is, that I may not be 100% correct on all of this. Now, that bothers you that a pastor would say that from the platform? Well, well, get used to it because I am never going to pretend that I've got it all figured out. I can tell you that over the 35 years or so that I've been in ministry, I've changed my position on the end times at least a dozen times. I read left behind, I think, oh yeah, that's the way it's going to happen. Then I read somebody else, I go, oh, that's the way it's going to happen. And you know, you've heard me say it before, you know, I'm a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, I'm a pan-trib. I'm going to say it all pans out now. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I have changed on, but they're not things that are core to my faith. The things that have never changed is Jesus Christ and him crucified, living today, the right hand of the Father waiting for us, coming again. Those are the things that matter most to me. But the good news is, and here's some good news, ready? This is really good. You don't have to get 100% on a theology test to get into heaven. Isn't that really good news? God cares way more about our unity and our love than he does about any other thing by getting all the answers correct. Uh, and I'll address more about our unity in just a bit. But I have studied. Here's what you do need to hear as well. I've studied this for decades. And I have read a lot. I've listened a lot to other men. And I'm fairly confident that I get at least a B-plus on Theology 101 today. So I'm going to offer you what I know, what I believe, and here's what I think the Bible teaches. So the first question I want to address is what are spiritual gifts? What are they? Well, in the New Testament, the word gift is taken from the Greek word charisma, or charisma, and the word here, the root word there is charis, which, here's a cool piece. That word charis is translated grace. So when we read grace in our English New Testaments, it is the Greek word charis. And gifts are charisma, spiritual gifts. They're gracelets. So simply put, a spiritual gift is an ability, a divine favor of God's grace given without any merit. Let me say that again. A spiritual gift or ability is a divine favor of God's grace given without any merit. If you're taking notes, I want you to be take, uh, writing that down. It's, it's something God gives us, and it's not something we earn. In other words, it's not earned. It's not a merit badge or an award ribbon given to, super, to a few super saints. And that was part of the attitude that the Corinthian church had. Oh, you're really special. You've got that gift. Oh, wow. Wish I, had, I wish I could be. Or there was distinction. Well, that's really, you think that's important, but it's not. Mine's more important. Years ago, my pastor, John Wimber, gave the simplest and best definition I've ever heard for you know, spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Well, spiritual gifts are gracelets from God. Uh, I think he got that word from a, a, a professor at uh, Fuller Theological Seminary, but I love that phrase. They're gifts. Spiritual gifts are gracelets. They're these gifts, these grace gifts from God. And now what you need to understand is that they're from him. God, the Holy Spirit, is the source, and he's the giver, and everything he gives is good and perfect, according to James 1.17. And they are acts of his grace. 
We have a, a very narrow, that's why I wrote the book, Happy Grace, sometimes a too narrow view of what grace is. Um, and I want to tell you that, that it's broader. It even includes the gifts that we could never earn. We don't get spiritual enough to, to, beget, to get them from God. Now, I'm going to give you a list of references that you can jot down. I would encourage you to jot these down and to read them this next week so you'll come prepared with a little bit of understanding when Pastor Jeff talks about this. Romans 12 uh, lists spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, the passage we're in today. Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. And leave that up just for a little bit, guys, on the screen so they can write them down. But these, these again, Dr. Jeff's going to unpack this a, a bit more for you. Now, by the way, I don't believe the lists that are given there are complete. I think there are other gifts mentioned or other gifts not particularly identified in the list that are in the New Testament. If it's from God and it's a gift of God's grace, then it's a gift from him, and whether it falls into a list we have or not. But what's important for you to understand is the gifts are these imparted manifestations. What does that mean? Imparted demonstrations. It's God at work, and it's his power at work for the benefit of others. Let me say that again. What are the gifts? It's God's power working through you in a gift for the benefit of others. They're gracelets from him. Well, so why and how do the gracelets work? Why and how? Well, I said they're manifestations of the Spirit. I know that's a word we don't use a lot. But by that, I mean they're just demonstrations of God's power. When God the Holy Spirit deposits a gift, gives a gift to someone, whether it's one or multiple gifts, whatever it is, whatever setting it is, it is a demonstration of God's power and his love and his care and his concern and his, his, and his desire to change and transform lives. And so any gift that's given to us that we pass on to others, who should get the attention for that? Yeah, God should. Shouldn't draw attention to me. And again, that was a problem in the Corinthian church is that they were trying to, you know, pat themselves on the back and tripping over themselves trying to get to the front of the line. And that's the complete opposite of the, way, the attitude we need to have. These are gifts from God. He's the source. He's the giver. And all attention and praise should go to him, not the person that happens to be the vessel of the gift. Again, Pastor Matt did just a fantastic. You missed last week's message. It's one of the best he's ever brought. Go online and listen to it. It's out there on our website. But he, he laid this foundation that, that love gives, that love is the motivation. Love drives us. And love is the only reason we should ever even be willing to operate in or give away the gifts. And God gives us gifts because of love and for the sake of love. It's all about love. He gives us gifts because he loves you, he loves people, and he wants his love to be shed throughout the world. And then Matt uses a wonderful illustration of God the Holy Spirit as a carpenter. And in other words, he's the builder, builder of his church, of his house. And we cannot and should not focus on the skill saw. Remember, it's like we shouldn't praise the, the hammer. Hammer, you're amazing. What a great hammer. I love you, hammer. That's not, that shouldn't be our focus. It's, it's the one who's building, who's actually the carpenter building the house. We should praise the one who gives us the tools and knows how to best use them to build others up. So let me be clear. Here's another note you might want to jot down. The gracelets are tools in God's hand used to carry out his purpose in and through us for the building up of the body of Christ. Let those words sink in. What are they? What's their purpose? Why, do they, why are they here? They are tools in God's hand used to carry out his purpose. Not about us. His purpose, but he does it in and through us for the building up of the body of Christ. And this manifestation, this, this demonstration of God's gifts happens as he sees fit. And as he enables us to fulfill the ministry or the service that he's, he's 
uh, given us to, to, to perform. He's called us to do this for him and for his people. And so he gives us these gifts so that we can do it well for him. I'm afraid that too often, and I know this to be fact, some have emphasized the gifts as some sort of distinctive badge of honor rather than maximizing their emphasis on God and his ministry and what he wants to do. Let me address, because uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, the whole issue of cessationists, because I know that there are some, there are some very popular pastors, authors out there that have written um, believing passionately that the gifts died with the first church and that they no longer operate in the church today. Uh, by the way, for every one of those guys, I can find another person just as smart, just as gifted, just as talented, who would say, no, that's not the case. But here's my view and my take on this. Um, the fact is, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been used in the church historically from the very beginning. Any honest student of church history, and I used to read and study church history a lot in my 20s. I was fascinated. I love history. Any honest student of church history would it say, no, they didn't die in the first church, the first century. That throughout millennia, the gifts of the Spirit, now sometimes in very narrow, sometimes just a small, but, but other times with great movements of God doing wonderful and powerful things through his church. And so historically, my view is I'm not a cessationist because I, I've watched and I've seen these gifts used for thousands of years now in the church. The other reason why is simply because I know I still need God's tools to do God's work. I still need him. I need his power. I, I am not done. I'm not, I haven't arrived at some state of perfection yet. Neither has you. And by the way, neither has the church. And so we need those gifts. We still do as we did then. So why would they be done? The New Testament clearly teaches that each of us has and will receive gifts from God to serve others. And never, never is there any mention of a time limit on these, these statements. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul said, a spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping to helping the, the entire church. Now, some of you think, I don't have any gifts. I don't know what you're talking about. Sign up for the launch class. We want you to discover the gifts and, and, and the gift that God has given to you. Because the truth is, though it may be latent, or maybe you haven't really recognized it as such, that it is a gift. God has given you at least a gift. First Peter 4 said this, First Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. You see the assumption here? You have received to serve others. Who's it about? It's about others, blessing others. As faithful stewards, managers of God's grace, there it is, of God's charisma, God's charisma in its various forms and all its splintered, all the gifts that are available. Now, some have suggested that Paul and Peter's reference here to a gift means that we only get one or maybe two. Um, I disagree with that. I don't believe that that's what they're stating here. They're, they're, it would be the minimum. But uh, it's my belief that since God is the giver of gifts, okay, it's, it comes from him, his purpose is to bless and to build up his church and people, that any Christian can receive any gift when God chooses to give it. Now, you may, based on your personality, and again, Jeff will unpack some of this, based on your history, based on your role, your ministry, whatever God's doing, you may operate more often than not in one or two or three. That may be true. But it's my belief that God, because God is God, that if I'm working with someone, if I'm dealing with somebody and they need something supernatural, a gift from God, they need a charisma from God that, that if I'm open, I'm willing, he can, he can give it to me to bless them. Uh, years ago, 
And I had a friend, I was, I was deathly ill. I will not describe for you how sick I was because you'd all be really grossed out, but I was sick. And I told a buddy of mine, I said, man, I, you gotta pray for me, I, I'm really not doing well. I'm, I was happened to, happen to be in Kathmandu, Nepal, and so you probably understand what was going on with me. But I said, man, I need you to pray for me. And here's what he said, oh, I can't pray for you because I don't have the gift of healing. I'm like, dude, I know you don't have it. God does. Just get it from him and give it to me. <laughs> I believe that because God is God and all the gifts are available, that anyone at any time can, can be used by God and as he chooses. And again, the one or more gifts may be more common with a person. Uh, Rebecca down here, down in front, I'll pick on her for a second. She operates in prophetic a lot. She sees pictures and things. And she's, uh, God speaks to her that way. And she shares those with me. And one of the things I love about her is there's nothing weird about her. She does it in a very humble way. She's teachable. But frequently, well, why? Well, I, you know, God speaks to me a lot in pictures as well. And I, I've said this publicly. I'll say it again. I don't think that makes me special. When you're teaching a kid to read, you show them a picture of a dog, and you go, dog, cat, cat. You know, so I'm a pretty simple guy. I think God speaks to me with pictures because I'm just a simple guy. I'm, I got to see it, Lord, and show me a picture, and it helps. But again, I think God can give any gift to any person at any time to bless his church and his kingdom. I also think it's consistent with following Jesus. Hey, uh, what are we called? Christ followers, Christians. And if you read the gospel, you read the New Testament, and I wouldn't challenge you in the next few weeks or months to read through the gospels. Just pick one. Pick the short one, Mark, if you want. And read through the Gospels and look how often Jesus operated in spiritual gifts. After you kind of get them unpacked by Dr. Jeff next week, and if you go into the launch class, you go back, you go back and read the New Testament, and you'll see how often Jesus operated and, and, and all of the gifts, and they're all available. And we want to be like him, right? Three of us want to be like him. That's really good. <laughs> we want to be like Jesus and do what he did, and we're Christ's followers. And so I think all the gifts are available, and again, they're for the building up of the church. Well, let me wrap this up by talking about what gracelets are not, what the spiritual gifts are not. And I need to finish here because I am keenly aware of the conflict and the struggle that has happened because of this issue in the church, uh, without a doubt, and tragically so. The issue of spiritual gifts, and in particular tongues, has been the biggest Christian oneness buster in the church. And there's probably nothing else, not that I'm aware of, that's caused more brothers and sisters in Christ to turn on one another more than this issue of spiritual gifts. I have a good friend who pastored a fairly large church of probably six, 700 people in Southern California for years. And he spoke on spiritual gifts one day, as I am doing now. And he told the, the church, he says, you know, on a regular basis, I pray in the Spirit. And within a month, he was fired and half the church left. It's, it just, uh, you know, it's destroyed that church. Why? Because people have all this baggage and fear and, and attitudes, and, and it's, it's been divisive. And I think that breaks God's heart, guys. I truly believe it breaks his heart. Paul saw, Paul saw this dissension over gifts in the Corinthian church, and it broke his heart, which is why, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, one of the common themes over and over in this passage is, hey, we are in this together. We are one body, one Lord, one Holy Spirit. Don't be getting all split up over this. In fact, let it draw you together. 1 Corinthians 12, let me pick it up, verse 4. Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit disturbs them all. It's one God. There are different kinds of service. We have different roles and functions in the body of Christ. But the same Lord, there are different kinds of working. But in all of them, and everyone, and in everyone, it is, it is the same work of God. It's God at work in our hearts. 
Verse 7, now to each one, again, is the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he goes on, he describes how the body can't say, well, the hand can't say the foot, I don't need you. And verse 12, he says, just as the body, though one, has many parts. And he's referring to our human body, lots of different parts. Just as that's true, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. What is Paul doing? He's appealing to them. Stop whacking each other with the gifts. Stop beating each other up over this. Stop being arrogant and proud and causing damage to people over the issue of spiritual gifts. And by the way, Jesus in John 17, one of the most passionate prayers you will find of Jesus in the New Testament. At the heart of that prayer is this, Father, let them be one even as you and I are one. The prayer for Jesus is unity, but the tragic truth is Satan has used this issue of spiritual gifts, the very gifts meant to build up the body of Christ, to tear it down through sectarianism and divisiveness. We have gone sideways by allowing that to happen. God never meant for us to look at the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit from a sectarian or denominational perspective. There's not a Baptist Holy Spirit or a Pentecostal Holy Spirit. There's not a Lutheran Holy Spirit or a Church of God Sabbatarian Fundamentalist Holy Spirit. Yes, there really is a denomination called that. that there's one God. There's one Lord, one Holy Spirit, and one bride. One. And God's heart is that we would be one. And part of getting there to that oneness it means that, A, we've got to knock pride out of our hearts and crush it. And B, we've got to be willing to admit, you know what? I may not have it all figured out. I may have a completely different theological view on this issue than you do. But who gives a rip? You're my brother. You're my sister. And I'm going to love you, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to be connected to you, and we will stand in front of a world, and we will show them the power of God, the unity of God in our hearts and our lives. People ask me from that time, are you a, or what kind of, what man are you, a, are you an evangelical? Are you charismatic? Are you a neo-charismatic? Are you Pentecostal? And my reply is always the same. Ready? Here it is. It's profound. I am a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I belong to the kingdom. I'm a citizen of heaven. And those are the only labels that really matter to me. Do we have different perspectives on theological issues? Yeah. Are we going to until Jesus comes back and we get to heaven and figure out how many got it right, how many got it wrong? Yeah. Will we care when we get to heaven? No. All the stuff that we fight over and get angry with and beat each other to a pulp over, guys, I'm telling you, when we stand in the presence of Jesus, it ain't going to mean squat. It's not going to matter. So why would we abuse and wound and hurt and crush those in the body of Christ? Because we think we're right. I promise you, and you've heard me say this before, I will never let being right break relationship. I will never sacrifice relationship with the excuse of, well, I'm right and they're wrong. If someone disagrees with me, they can be wrong. <laughs> no, I'm going to love them. And I'm going to realize that nobody's got this all figured out yet. So once again, let me be clear. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not weapons to be used against our brothers and sisters. They're not. And if you're sitting there right now or you're listening online, you're thinking, boy, I, I had no idea. That guy, man, if he believes in that, I just, I got to find, go, find another church. Do what you feel led to do, but hear my heart on this. This isn't a hill I'm going to die on. I'll die for you because I love you, and I love the bride, I love the church. And we gotta get over our arrogance. We think we've got it all figured out. 
Despite our fears, and a lot of us, are, we've had, and believe me, I say this again, I, sh I could have given you a lot more scary stories. Some of us have had bad past experiences. Some of us have had things that just happen, and we go, what? No way. That's, that is just, that, I'm, no way. But despite whatever bad or weird experiences we may have in our past, what I want you to leave here today with is this understanding. God's gifts are good. And therefore, our good, to build up, not to tear down the body of Christ. And the reason why I've done a series, and we're, we're going to finish this up next week, but the reason why this is important to me is, is found in one verse, Ephesians 2.10. It says there that we are God's workmanship, his work of art, his poem. We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love that verse. Ephesians 2.10. Check it out. Like, check it out later. It says we, you, me, we are God's work. We're God's workmanship. God is working in us. And what he's doing is he's, he is, is working in us to prepare us to do what he's designed for you to do before you ever took your first breath. God has a purpose and a plan. And here's my conviction. We need to know all of God, his plan, his purpose, and all of his gifts if we're to fulfill all that he wants us to do. We need all the tools. If you're a carpenter and you're building a house, is it, is it better to have a big old toolbox or one little hammer on your belt? Big toolbox, yeah. We, the, the more, the better. And then the other thing is, we're in this together, so I may not have that tool, but my wife does. I may not have that tool, but my friend does. I may not have that rule, but you do. I may not, and so that's what draws us together is, you know, I don't have it all, and that's why I need you. I'm going to tell you one last story. And I'm going to wrap this up and pray for you. We okay? Okay. I was 19 years old, and I uh, went with YWAM, Youth of the Mission. Uh, it's a youth organization that evangelizes all around the world. And I went with them to Montreal, Canada, for the 1976 Olympics. And it's a, it was an incredible experience, and I, I could probably write a book about all that happened just in that season of my life. But I got there, went through our training, and I got uh, into a group uh, of people. They broke us down into small groups that were su supporting each other. And each group was assigned a particular area that we would go to throughout the city or throughout the Olympic Village to share the gospel. And the group I was in, we were assigned the Greek Village. Now, anybody ever been to Montreal, Canada? It's, uh, it's French. Uh, they speak their first language. Most of them is French, and they're proud of that. And, uh, but we were assigned to Greek town. And the Greek area of Montreal is, as you would expect, heavily populated with Greek people who some of them spoke French. Uh, most of them uh, um, didn't have a working knowledge of English, though, of course, they spoke Greek. Well, we went to this area, and my partner was a, a young woman named Barb. She's about three, four years older than me. And we would go, and, and we would hand out Greek New Testaments and Greek tracts and and uh, just try to find anybody who could speak English, and it was okay. But we ran into these five guys, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. These five guys stand on a corner, and they are your typical Greek young men. They are they're, they're attractive, studly, smoking, hanging out, just doing their thing on the corner, and, and Barb says, let's go talk to them. I, okay, what? We walk up, and they start hitting on Barb, you know, and trying to, but, but uh, I said, you guys speak English, and they all shake their head, no. And, and I said, you speak French. And I had two years of French. I just enough to get myself in trouble. 
And uh, one of them said something, and I said, well, whatever. And, and, and uh, Barb said, you know, we'll just give them the tracks. And, and then they started, once they saw what we were doing, that we were Christians, and we were trying to hand them New Testaments and tracks and stuff like that, they got very belligerent, very belligerent. And I'm starting to feel a little nervous. Five Greek studly guys and little 19-year-old me. I'm thinking, Barb, it's time to go. So anyhow, I said, you know, thanks, guys. And we, we, you know, we walked away. We're about 20 feet away. And this, I, guys, I'm either Looney Tunes or this is the most amazing thing you'll ever hear. About 20 feet away, and Barb says, I gotta go back. <gasps> no, no, I gotta go back. Oh, Barb, there's nothing we can do. We gave them our tracks, but just, they don't speak the English, it's just, no, I gotta go back. Well, okay, I followed her. She kind of dragged me back to this group, and next thing I know, and I kid you not, Barb is talking to these five young men in Greek. She's speaking to them in their native language. First thought was, I'm really mad at you. We've been out here for days and you haven't told me you can speak Greek. Why do you choose to do it now? And I'm, so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, my process is just, what? What are you doing? I didn't know you could do that. And then I'm watching these guys. And the, 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 the demeanor on their face was, it was, it was shocking. They were like, and their eyes kept getting bigger. And two of them in particular were very moved by what she was saying. She got done. And I said, you didn't tell me you could speak Greek. She says, I don't. I'm going, what do you mean you don't? She says, I don't. That was tongues. I was, the Lord just gave me that. I said, do you have any idea? She says, I have no idea. I said, you could have called these guys all sorts of bad things. And no, no, the Lord wouldn't do that. And, and then the one guy, in fact, the guy right to my left, finally fessed up that he did, in fact, speak English. And he said, I didn't know you spoke Greek. And she goes, I don't speak Greek. And he's got this look on his face like, you're lying, you're fooling. He goes, no, that was God. And he said to her, do you have any idea what you said to us? She goes, not a, not a, not a, not a word. And he starts to cry. I mean, I, <laughs> he's crying. He said, you told us how much God loves us. You told us, and said, you told my friend, he pointed at the guy, you told him something about his life that nobody knows but God. There's, there's no way. And, and you told us, and well, the other three guys, that this, there's just five, three guys, they were like, done, we're out of here, this is too weird for us. The two guys stayed, and we shared the gospel. The, the one guy didn't speak English, the guy who's now fessed up speaking English, we shared the gospel to his friend, and those two prayed right there in that corner to receive Jesus that day. You wanna talk about becoming a believer pretty quick, that God is God and that he'll use whatever he wants, and it, all we've got to do is be vessels to say, yes, Lord, use me. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Jesus, I know how divisive this has been in your church, and I have prayed all week. I prayed hard. That people would hear my heart, that they would not react out of some past baggage or weirdness or problem, but that they would actually um, be encouraged today to be hungry. God, I want our church to be in that role of hungry and balanced. That we, we want to say yes to you. That we want that fire of God lit within our hearts and our souls and our minds. That we'd be willing to take the risk to embrace the gift or gift, gifts that you want to give to us so that we can build others up. And in fact, Lord, so that we can reach a world that is far from you. And I know, Lord, I know that um, 
this is an issue for many uh, of some pain. I know others, it's, it excites them to even hear their pastor talking about it. But Lord, I just pray for all of us today that we would leave here with this simple word on our lips, yes. Yes. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. Yes, I will receive whatever you want me to receive. Yes, I want to be a vessel that gives away the gifts of God. Yes, I want to build up the church. I want to be a vessel that, that encourages those around me. Yes, I will be a man or a woman willing to do whatever you ask me to do, whenever and wherever you ask me to do it, so that we be that guy, that, that gal that's sitting in the break room and somebody says, man, I got a migraine. In that moment, we just... We believe that you want to give us a gift of healing. And right there, we pray for him. Right there, Lord, we pray for a healing to come. And that that man, that woman who's just got touched by you, their world is rocked because of a God who loves them and demonstrated it through a simple gift of healing. God, make us that church. Make us those people. Maybe here today, and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And you're thinking, wow, um, Following Jesus sounds like it's quite the adventure. Uh, freaks me out a little bit, but I, I, I think that's what I want. Maybe here today you realize you need grace in your life. You need that favor of God, the forgiveness, the mercy of God in your life. And today you just know it's time. It just, I'm not going to twist your arm. You just know you're there. You're ready to say, yes, God, I want to follow you. If that's you, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. The decision's made in your heart, in your mind, to say yes. But if this is what you want, just make these words yours right now. Father, forgive me. I've pretty much messed up my life. I've done it my way. And I, I'm, I'm confessing now, I need you. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I need a Savior. And so I surrender my life, all of it, to you. And today, right here, I say yes. Yes, I will be a Christ follower. Yes, I will follow you. Lord, for those that are saying yes to you right now or listening online and making that decision, I pray, God, that you would show them what this means and what you're going to do and enfold them now into this body of Christ, this, this, this church that you have created for their benefit and for the benefit of the world. Let them understand what you've done and what you're going to do in and through them now. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with the last song of worship. And uh, we give during this time uh, as an act of our worship. I, time to time people say, well, why don't you just let us put it in the buckets or you know, leave it by the door or why do we have to pass? We do this because it's an intentional act of worship for you to where just as we sing together, we give together. And so if you're a guest today, don't feel obligated to give. Do drop in that communication card or prayer request. But let's give as we worship and I'll come back and wrap it up. Rebecca shared something with me after the worship in her, earlier in the service, and she saw a picture of a fireplace and fire. It reminded me of something, and I thought, you know, when the Holy Spirit was first, the gift of the Holy Spirit was first given to the church, it was demonstrated with these tongues of fire. And I, people have, you know, argued again about all that. It's so silly. I just think it's God's way of saying, I want to light up my people. I want to give them power that is beyond what they have known naturally. I want to supplement the natural gifts that I've given and this, with the supernatural so they can do all that I have planned for them to do. And that's the people. I want you today to leave here hunger, with a hunger for that fire of God in your belly, for those gifts of God to be used, to use you. As you walk out today, go check out the discipleship fair. Uh, if you can't make the launch class this time, we'll do it again. But sign up for those. Get involved. Find a way to discover what God has given to you. 
Today, if you begin a Christ, begin your life as a Christ follower, let somebody know. You'll make their day. They'll do a little jig just because they're so excited that you today made that decision. Come let us know. Let the prayer team know. On the tables, by the doors, there's the packages for new believers. It's got some Bible, some material. Get started in your walk with Jesus. And I'll list the date and time for our next First Steps class, which happens on Sunday morning. We encourage you to, to get involved in that. And then later in November, we'll be doing water baptisms. And we want to encourage you to take that public declaration of faith by, by getting baptized. If you need prayer, prayer will be down here. Prayer team will be down here. Of course, there's communion available on both sides of the room uh, if you'd like to take that today. But my prayer, and here's my benediction, go, go walk in his power and his gifts this week and watch what Jesus will do. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.